Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Welcome to Growing in Grace. My name is Victor Morrison. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Columbus, Texas. I'm so glad you've uh, tuned in today. Hey, have you ever heard of a poem by Tennyson entitled The Charge of the Light Brigade? It was inspired by the courage of 658 British troops who charged a Russian fortified artillery position on horseback for more than one mile when told to do so by those in command. Uh, You can probably imagine it was costly. On October the 25th, 1854, 110 soldiers in the British cavalry bravely died. 180 others were either wounded or captured. But eventually, the Crimean War was won in February of 1856 by an alliance of Britain, France, Turkey, and Sardinia. But in some ways, I feel like that we as Christians, we are like an army of light battling against spiritual forces of darkness in this world. I thought of this comparison as I was reading Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The first four verses stood out to me as a biblical strategy for pressing forward in the charge against evil. Like the outnumbered 658 soldiers, we're often moving forward against the odds. But like the poet says at one point in that that poem, he says, there's not to make reply, there's not to reason why, there's but to do and die. It may cost us someday to take our stand for Jesus Christ. But if it does, you know, Jesus is still worthy of our best efforts, regardless of the personal outcome in our battles. He assures us of everlasting life with Him. So don't faint if things intensify against believers in Christ, because we press on toward hope. You know, I thank the Lord so much for uh, our veterans. We're coming up on Veterans Day at the time of this recording, so I couldn't help but want to say how much I appreciate them, their service. I, I want to honor them. Do you know that right now in 2023, there are 18,592,457 veterans that are still living in our country? Some of them are active. Some are on inactive duty. But I appreciate them so much. But let's now consider what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, where he said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I remember sitting in a class at Union University, and the professor said, do you think that this is describing the church as being on the offense or being on the defense? And most of us in the classroom just assumed that we're in the defensive posture since gates are mentioned. But then he read it again. And then I think it dawned on all of us 
I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So it totally changed things. It's like we're on the offense. We're charging those who are being held by the enemy. And we have the gospel that will free the captives, that will bring people out of darkness into light, like Jesus commissioned the Apostle Paul whenever he called him to uh, share the gospel, even to Gentiles. So I want to read this passage in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and just uh, share a few things that I think will help the church be better prepared. So whichever church that you're a part of these days, I just want to encourage you to take seriously what these verses are saying to us. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So just a few comments here from this passage that I think would motivate us and equip us so that we can be effective as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing that stood out to me was how he's calling us to pay attention to what our commander is saying. We should concentrate upon our commander. You know, verse one, and again in verse three, he talks about listening. You know, listening is a recurring theme throughout the book of Hebrews. If you were to go through there, you would be surprised. But notice that the word therefore that starts this whole passage off, it refers back to verse 14 of chapter one, which says, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Speaking to us, born again Christians, to every disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he says, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. You hear that hearing test that is mentioned there? Well, once again, when you get down into verse three, he says, it was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard. So some who've gone before us, they were listening and now it's our time to listen. You know, in chapter three and verse seven, he says, today, if you hear his voice, you know, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. You go to verse 15, and once again, it repeats the same thing. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In chapter four, in verse two, it once again talks about listening for good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Are we listening by faith? It's so critical that we listen by faith whenever the Lord is speaking. 
And it's all through here. I mean, even in chapter 5, verse 11, he says, you know, it's really hard to explain things because you become dull of hearing. Do you ever get dull of hearing? I think it's so important for us to say, Lord, whatever it is that you're wanting to say, I want you to know that as your disciple, I'm listening. I think it's very sobering whenever you consider verse 3. He's not talking about people who are rejecting salvation, right? He's talking about people who are neglecting salvation. Have you ever met a Christian you feel like they were neglecting salvation? He says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Wow. To me, that's all the more reason we are to pay attention. But I noticed a second thing that I think will also uh, help us as the church. If we're all committed to carry out our orders. You know, the verbs in verse 1 are nautical. It's almost as though they were used by someone in the Navy. When he uses the word drift away, it's actually what it means is to, to float by. When he says the word pay closer attention to, he's talking about tying off a ship so it doesn't drift away. You know, I thought about a man named Demas who is mentioned in 2 Timothy 4.10. What happened to Demas? It says that he left following Christ to go with the world. You know, I'm so inspired by Navy SEALs. You know, the code of a Navy SEAL are these, loyalty to country, team, and teammate. Serve with honor and integrity on and off the battlefield. Ready to lead, ready to follow. Never quit. Take responsibility for your actions and actions of your teammates. Excel as warriors through discipline and innovation. Train for war, fight to win. Defeat our nation's enemies. Earn your trident every day. The trident was a gold pin that they received, that every Navy SEAL received that indicates they're now with special operations. But that trident is made up of three different emblems. One is the eagle. One is the trident, which was uh, sort of like a pitchfork-looking thing that was uh, said to be carried by those in the sea. But the other one is a cocked flintstock pistol. And so when you put these three together, what the Navy SEAL is saying is, I'm ready if I need to fight by air, if I need to fight by sea, if I need to fight by land. And so he's so ready. And so I'm thinking, are we ready? Are we carrying out the orders that we have been given? He said, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. So we definitely don't want to drift away from the things that our commander and chief, the Lord Jesus Christ, is saying to us. When I read verses two and three, I thought about a third thing. You know, I think also it's important if you're charging into battle to know what is the significance to this? What's the goal? What are we trying to accomplish with this battle? Are we taking that hill? Are we protecting this seaport? What are we doing? What is the confirmation of our objective? And so when I read verses two and three, I thought, look, there they are. There are two confirmations that are given to us in the Lord's army. And I think both of these tell us that it's 
worth our best efforts to be committed to the objective that our commander has, the Lord Jesus. I think one confirmation is the reliability of the word of God. It says that God's word in verse two proved to be reliable. Do you know that the Bible says in Isaiah that the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever? The word of God will last forever. But that's just one testimony, the word of God. The second testimony are the witnesses, the transformation of the witnesses. It says in verse three, attested to us by those who heard. Who is it referring to there? Well, definitely it could be talking about Peter. It could be talking about the apostle John. These men left a record of their testimony saying that they know that Jesus rose from the dead. They know that he died. If you were to read 1 John 1, verses 1 through 4, you could hear John's firsthand testimony of Christ. If you were to read 2 Peter 1, verses 12 through 18, you could hear Peter's firsthand testimony. What they're both saying is, you know what? Jesus is completely worthy of our best efforts, of our highest loyalty and commitment. You know, I think also we have to consider uh, our service. Would you like to hear a commendation for your service or a condemnation for your disobedience? I don't know about you, but I'd rather hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, like it says in Matthew 25, 21. You see, I know that someday I will not be tested for my salvation, for my salvation rests upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's not up to me to earn my salvation over and over again each and every day. But I do have to be aware that 1 Corinthians 3, verses 9 through 15, says that one day when I go out there in eternity, I will be accountable to God for my service, for how I, how I live. Did I live for Him and for His glory? Or did I live, did I work, did I serve, did I do things for the Lord and for His glory? It will definitely be tried by fire. So it's going to burn up the works of some. I pray that it will not burn up your works. And I certainly pray that it will not burn up my works. You know, I remember in the the, uh, Navy SEAL code how they say, take responsibility for your actions. I think that's a needed uh, word in this day and time. So many try to shift the blame to someone else for their actions. But what we need to say is, you know what? Someday the Lord's going to hold me accountable. I will be responsible for my actions. And that's why he brings up here in verse two that these uh, these people, he says, every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. I got to thinking about those two words and I looked them up. I thought, what's the difference between transgression and disobedience? You know what I discovered? Transgression is when I commit a sin that God has clearly told me, don't do that. And so I know not to do that, but I commit that sin anyway. But disobedience is when God wants me to do something, but I ignore what he's saying. We call those kind of sins, sins not of commission, but sins of omission. Are you omitting 
things that God has definitely called you to do in your life, don't you realize that our service will one day be held accountable to our Lord? And so that's why if we as the church are going to charge uh, the charge of the light brigade, then we've got to realize if I refuse to charge, if I refuse to show up for my duty, for my service, then I will one day regret that. I will one day wish that I had more that I could present to Christ for an offering to bring him honor and glory. But verse three also reminds us of the completion of our mission, the completion of our mission. You know, I hope that you will complete your mission and not neglect your mission. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, sort of has a, a metaphor or an image of a runner who's running a race and he wants to finish the race. He wants to go across the finish line. He doesn't want to quit early. And so he's going to keep his eyes on Christ so that he can finish, like Jesus said, that he had done all, he had finished all that the Father had given him to do. That's what he said in John 17 and verse 4. You know, I'm inspired, like I said, by our veterans. There's one particular veteran that his uh, life has always inspired me ever since I found out what he did. There's actually a movie that's made about this man's life that's called Hacksaw Ridge. But this man was a medic on the island of Okinawa in 1945. His name was Desmond Doss. And his company was trying to assault uh, some Japanese troops that were holding an elevated plateau. And so it was really hard to get up there but then once they got up there, uh, the enemy troops were waiting for them. But you know that this man, he was called not to take lives, but to save lives. Just like the light brigade, just like those of us that are in the light, we're called to rescue people uh, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Desmond Doss, as a medic, discovered that there were several men who were wounded and all of the troops began to retreat. But there were some men who were left on that elevated plateau, which by the way, it was so elevated, it was 400 feet down to where uh, all of the uh, US military vehicles were that were gonna take the troops back to the uh, headquarters. So he says, I'm gonna stay there until I get every man that's still living off of this plateau. Do you know that historical records, historical military records uh, verify this, that that man Desmond Doss, that medic, he personally rescued 75 wounded soldiers. And he kept saying by his own testimony, I've read it myself in some of the, he passed away not too long ago, but I've read what he said. He said, when I was up there, I kept praying and asking God this same thing over and over again. And here's what he would say. Dear God, please let me get just one more man down safely. And so he would lower each of those wounded veterans over that 400-foot cliff all the way down, uh, despite the enemy troops being all over that uh, plateau. Wow. I think now there's a man who is committed to finish his mission. 
Are you committed to finish the mission? You know, uh, the training that U.S. Uh, troops, it doesn't matter which branch of the military you're in, but they all have recruit basic training. I think in some circles, they just refer to it as boot camp. Well, boot camp can last anywhere from six to 13 weeks, depending on which branch of the military. For example, if you're going into the Air Force or going into the Coast Guard, then right now it's about seven and a half weeks. But if, on the other hand, you're going to enlist with the Army or the U.S. Navy, then it's about 10 weeks. If you want to be a Marine, it's going to be 13 weeks. So all I'm saying is our military knows you have to train, you have to equip, you have to condition troops with all kind of drills before they're ready for battle. Well, when I read verse 4, I thought, you know, right there is how God gets all of us conditioned before we are in our battles. So make sure that you're reading verse 4 and taking seriously the resources that we have in Christ. For example, how about the resource of the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you know that God can do things that we can't do when it comes to service, when it comes to, you know, those spiritual conflicts that we find ourselves in on a daily basis? That's why he says here, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles. And so I'm thinking, you know what? The Holy Spirit can give me strength that I don't have. The other thing I noticed is not only just the power of the Spirit, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that he's given you unique spiritual abilities that no one else can do? And so I thought, thank you, Lord, that it also mentions the gifts of the Holy Spirit. For example, I feel that God's given me the gift of exhortation. Whenever I think about, you know, someone that is discouraged or something like that, it motivates me for some reason I want to take God's word and I want to try to encourage people and build them up and equip them so that they will not be discouraged. And I've just been told through the years, that's the gift of exhortation. There's some something within me that God has placed. And he says, Victor, I want you to use my word to light a fire in the troops. And so that's what I try to do. But what about you? What gifts has he given to you? I encourage you to put those gifts into operation. But also notice an understanding of what God's will is. What does God want? I think that's something that also the Holy Spirit can help us with. It says distributed according to His will when it comes to those gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so I think that God's Spirit can give us a, a very uh, personal understanding of his word when we're meeting with the Lord each morning and we're saying, okay, Father, I'm presenting myself to you that I could be your servant today, that I could be your soldier today, that you might use me in some way in the spiritual battles against darkness and against evil, rescuing those who are wounded or rescuing those who are being held captive by the enemy. Lord, what would you have me to do today? And as you read God's Word, the, the living Holy Spirit who actually inspired every word that's within the Bible, He can give you what you'll need for that day's direction and that day's guidance. Wow. 
You know, I just think to myself, Lord, help us as the church to be the light brigade, to be taking the light into those dark places around our world. I hope that Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, I hope that this has been inspiring and encouraging for you. As you look through here, I hope that you see it's so important to concentrate on what my commander is telling me to do. And then whatever he tells me to do, that I would carry that out. Those are my orders for this day. That also I would know that there's confirmation that we should be moving in the direction of this mission. So we should say, Lord, thank you for disclosing what your objective is. He wants to transform people's lives. He wants people to be in heaven. You know, also to know that I'm going to be held accountable whether I show up for my duty and my service, or whether I neglect it. I need to realize that I need to be faithful until my very last breath. I need to complete the mission. You know, those men that uh, rode into that uh, Russian firing line, some of them made it. They rode right through there. And that's why in that poem, if you listen, you know, sometimes it says there's, there's cannons on my left, there's cannons on my right, there are cannons in front of me. But at a certain point toward the end of the poem, it says there are cannons on my left, there are cannons on my right, and now there are cannons behind me, referring to those few who were able to ride straight through those uh, armaments. But listen, God has given us the equipment. He's given us the armor. He's given us His Holy Spirit. He's given us the, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. There's so many things that God has given us so that we can complete what He wants us to do. So I just want to encourage you, you know, to please look to passage of Scripture that will help you be ready to charge, to move forward, not to just sit there in the safety of the fort and to neglect those who are out there, but to say, Lord, use me that I might be a part of uh, moving forward for you. So anyway, thank you, Lord, for this time. Let's go to him in prayer. God, thank you for this time to pray, to seek you. And so, Lord, uh, we just ask that you would equip us, you would empower us, that you would suit us up in the armor and protect us, that we might be the troops you would want us to be. May we be like Desmond Doss. Although he was a physical, uh, medical uh, doctor, we, on the other hand, are witnesses and disciples. We are trying to rescue people from this spiritual battle, from all that the enemy is trying to do to wound them and to mistreat them. But we know that, Lord, you want them to move from darkness into light. And so help us to be your vessels, your instruments, your servants that you could use this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, listen, thank you so much, friend, for being with us. I pray you'll listen to Growing in Grace another day. You have a great week. Bye-bye. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.